0: Welcome to the Post Sunday Post Sunday Post Sunday -Sunday Podcast, providing you with pastor commentary on the previous message and resources for further study. All for the expansion of the gospel and the edification of God's church. That's what I sound like your best me impression right now being your best me impression right now <laughs> <laughs> what even is yeah, that welcome again to the post sunday podcast <laughs> you're about to say it again weren't you i'm joel i'm joined by josh hazel i forgot your name for a second sorry josh mm. bethany lay and pastor joey tomlinson uh, oh sorry mm. pastor joey tomlinson uh, this Sunday, Sean talked about the kingdom of God, and his tone was very optimistic. Uh, at one point, he was talking about scripture saying that there will be a number that can't be numbered in heaven, uh, and Sean kind of exhorted the congregation on that, saying, like, how amazing that will be that you can't even number it, and uh, in my own small group, we talked about that, and we were, like, throwing out, you know, metaphors of that, and um, we just, someone joked about, like, an NFL game. And they were like, you could still number that. And then someone was like, well, I guess just grains of sand on, on the beach. Like, you just can't even fathom that. And Which so is plagiarized
1: from the Old Testament.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. There's yeah. nothing new under the sun. They, no. they actually said they said that, and it didn't get from the Old Testament, so we'll yeah. have to confront them later. Yeah. The, um, whoever you are. <laughs> you the, know who you are.
1: So, I, so Sean, um, it, it may have varied from each service, so I don't know how much time he, he spent on it ex- exactly, but uh, the tone was... Uh, was extremely optimistic, and, and it's something that I don't think you hear from the pulpit a lot, which is um, a l- lot of times we spend so much time on focused on us being the minority, especially in this culture, which I think there's a right perspective to that, is that the broader culture uh, drinks iniquity down like it's water and, and is very hostile toward God, very hostile toward the gospel, and it can be easy... Uh, to begin to believe that there's just a handful of us um, that uh, the Lord has saved and the Lord has called to handle his word um, faithfully and lovingly and truthfully. And so uh, uh, the claims of Christianity put us in direct opposition to anything outside of that, and and not in opposition in the sense of there are enemies, but in opposition of it's a clash of worldviews. We have the truth. They don't have the truth and we're called to love them and to love their souls so much so that we're willing to confront them with the truth. So it, so there's this constant tension there, right? right? And so, uh, so we have that tension, if you will, that's there. And then we have, um, and we were talking a little bit about it before we record, but um, we have uh, news cycles where we have instant access to news all the time. And so uh, we had the uh, hurricane Harvey in Texas that devastated Texas, right we knew about that like a week before it devastated Texas like generations before us didn 't even have access to that, that, that kind of information
2: historically wasn 't the worst hurricane that Texas yeah. has seen, so
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: Not necessarily even a worse, hurric- a worse yeah. hurricane than the past. It's just we know. We know about it. It, yep. it would have taken weeks for people to find out about the devastation that yep. would have happened 100 years ago. Yeah,
1: And it was good in the sense of we were, we're able to provide care and help and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Pray mm-hmm. for Texas. Pray for all these other places that have been devastated by hurricanes. Um, but, um, uh, you know, take the tragedy in Las Vegas with the Sorry. shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we heard about that instantly. And uh, where... You know, a generation or two ago, we may not have heard about that at all. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying it's negative that we know about that, but news cycles are 24 hours a day, Mm -hmm. seven days a week. And so that's all that's filling our minds constantly. And uh, studies show that negative news sells better than positive news. Mm -hmm. So negative news is what's reported on constantly. So you have that combined with... um, it seems like the Christian position is a minority position in our c- current cultural climate. It can be easy to build a theology off of that right. that's pessimistic, right? And uh, and it can be easy to even come to wrong conclusions about God and wrong conclusions about the kingdom of God. Right. And so the way that Sean preached about the kingdom of God, um, I hope didn't just bypass us. Like I hope that we right. actually, I hope that people in the congregation sat back and said, I don't think I've heard the kingdom of God preached in this type of tone and I don't think I've really heard the kingdom of God preached with these specific things being emphasized. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things he emphasized is that we're not in the minority. Right. Um, uh, especially when you consider church history, you consider when we're gone, if the Lord tarries, the people that go b- beyond us um, that the Lord's going to save. Um, in the Old Testament, God promises Abraham that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands on the seashore. As your mm. friend plagiarized, and um, <laughs> uh, but that we that means something, right? right? Mm-hmm. And that means something for us. That means uh, that uh, what God set out to do, He's actually going to accomplish what He promised in the Old Testament, and He concluded in the person and work. He is faithfully applying including the personal work of Jesus he's faithfully applying through the Holy Spirit day by day and and the those that the Lord saved through the personal work of Christ that the Holy Spirit draws to himself that number doesn't diminish mm-hmm. there's there's nothing that can happen that right. sabotages that number mm-hmm. right? and so So the kingdom of heaven has huge implications for our eschatology. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought maybe we can spend just a couple of minutes talking about that a little bit. And you guys can interrupt me at any time because I know I can run down the
0: road with it. Um, Well, well, something else I would say that I think contributes to that type of thinking about the kingdom of God is the exclusivity of the gospel. I think sometimes we can think, oh, the gospel is exclusive. So therefore, the number is small. Like we think there's only one way to get to Christ and not everyone's going to, you know, look at our culture right now. Like you were saying, we kind of pair that together with we feel like we're the only ones seeking Christ. And it's an exclusive gospel being that it's only through Christ's death and resurrection and through accepting him as your Savior kind of thing. I think that might tweak our mindset when we think of the kingdom of God.
1: Well, speaking of exclusivity, and maybe you guys can speak uh, on this and hopefully... I'll reveal kind of where I am in process, and hopefully that doesn't make me a um an outsider but when you guys heard, you know we've all of us have grown up in the church, so we kind of all have that similar testimony in that regard and so we've heard lots of sermons in our lives and um when you heard the um uh the passage of scripture um that uh the, uh, the way to destruction or the way to hell is broad, mm-hmm. right? The way to life, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, mm-hmm. but the words of Jesus, the way to life is narrow. So okay. the narrow road that leads to life, broad is the way that mm-hmm. leads to destruction. Did you guys hear that sermon preached that there's a few people that are going to be saved and a lot of people that are going to be in yes. hell?
3: Yeah, that's definitely how it was always taught. and that um, <clears throat> And even as I was older, you know, I was in a church where they would use that of, if you're not living for God, then obviously you're on the wide road. Mm. Because if you were living for God, you would be on the narrow road. And they would use that as a means even to, the way I said it, talk people out of their salvation. Mm. So that then they would save them again, if you will. And so, yeah, that's always been the way that that's been taught.
1: Is that the way you heard it as well?
2: Um, I'm trying to think of if I've actually heard... A sermon, preach, a sermon preach out of that. I would. It's t- an evangelist favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a traveling if, evangelist. I'm thinking like oh, that's yeah. probably on if I was at a um, going to a, like a revival service or something like that. It, what we would call a revival service, um, or what the, what was called a revival service? <laughs> yes, yeah, because um, you can plan those. Remember that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we it would have been that would have been the path. You know, yeah. Why yeah. is the gate to destruction? Mm. In the sense of this is the path that everybody's on. Um, And this is the path that the chosen few are um, on—the path to to, the narrow path to life. Uh, So, I would—I would would say that's probably the the emphasis that was placed, from what I remember hearing.
1: See, and I here so you guys can rebuke me if you think I'm way out in left field, but here's the way I've been processing it. Um, Could that passage, that discourse that Jesus is giving? The Pharisees are present, right, in, in the uh, kind of interim time between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was all this religious duty that was added. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to do all of these things in order to be right with God. And we see mm-hmm. that happen continuously throughout the New Testament with the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. All, and, uh, <clears throat> and you certainly even see these ceremonial washings that were carried over from the Old Testament and then elevated by the Pharisees. Yeah. To, and, and they took pride in that. They took pride in their own self-righteousness, their own works or whatnot. Um, and the more I've been processing that discourse, and I've heard it preached in the way that we just described, could it be that Jesus isn't talking about the number of people that will be saved, but he's talking about the exclusivity of the message, mm-hmm. right? And so God's made it really simple for us, mm-hmm. right? And I am not—I don't mean simple in, in the term of it's shallow. I mean simple in we're simple-minded people, and, mm-hmm. and we don't have to do a, a, a bunch of math in order to figure out how to be right with God. We don't have to do all this religious duty in order to be right with God. We don't have to do these ceremonial cleansings. We don't have to be a Pharisee to be right with mm-hmm. God. It's a very simple message in the sense of it's repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's mm-hmm. the narrow road. Mm-hmm. The broad road is all this additional stuff that we put we put into it. It's mm-hmm. uh, along with all you know. In every religion, uh, outside of Christianity, uh, has a huge to-do list of, of things mm-hmm. that you do right. Yeah. And so, and and so, and that's what the Pharisees were. They were just an, another cult, if you mm-hmm. will. Right? This this modified. They were this really extreme conservative branch of Judaism that lost their way, mm-hmm. and so Jesus comes on the scene, and he's not what they pictured the Messiah to be, and mm-hmm. so I've been thinking more about could it be that particular discourse is about the simplicity, the narrow message of the gospel, not there's just a handful of us that are right. going to heaven, mm-hmm. and
3: that, that occurred to me when Pastor Sean was saying, you know, that the number was more than you could count in right. heaven. And that was the first passage that came to mind, you know, but what about the narrow way? So I think there's definitely a lot of room for that to say, yeah, it is, there's one way to get to the Mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven. And um, even today in our Women of Coastal meeting, I was talking about that, that Nicodemus came and Sean referred to him too. And the way to the kingdom of heaven is that you must be born again. You must... Accept this truth that God gave with His Son, and um, Nicodemus had
1: just given. I've done the the I've right. done it. yeah, right. I've done the all of these things.
3: He was a Pharisee, he was yeah. Sanhedrin, yeah. he was yeah. all these things, and and now Jesus is saying there's something else, yeah. you know, yeah. and so yeah.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Could it be both? The could that be a double meaning? Yes, it could. I, I mean, so I would I'm, have to go and look. I mean, yeah. I've never heard it taught that way. Yeah, right. I'd have to That's look. because at everybody the, else was wrong. Everyone's wrong, <laughs> but you. <laughs> That's how you live your life. That's fair. I'm just kidding. No, I mean,
1: it could. So, I I guess. So, do you think
2: there would be more people in heaven than hell? Than hell.
1: Yes, I do. I do. But not presently. Like, so. um, Because I I look historically
2: and I see God's people in the minority mm -hmm. in the broader world around them. You know, you look at the Old Testament, certainly they're surrounded by. Enemies. And that's just not that's not including the the rest of the world yep. beyond the Middle East. Yeah. Um who have no knowledge of who God is or yep. have been given his law or anything like that. And then you look even, you know, after the, the coming the first coming of Christ and the church is established, again, God's people surrounded by enemies, both in Judaism and in the Roman culture, and there's persecution. Um Certain, there's been an explosion the church is worldwide now i wouldn't say at least at this point that christianity mo- the majority of the people on this planet out of s- almost 7 billion currently. people are currently christians Agreed. yeah but you think in the future the tide
0: turns i think
1: when we when we add up all the math
0: at the like you're talking at the about end like of like the, the end, day. end yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. when yeah. we add up the all the
1: math at the end of the day i think the church will overwhelm the wicked. Um, Mm. And, uh, and the, but the only reason I think that is because I have to do something with the language that the scripture, like the language that the scripture uses seems to paint the kingdom of heaven as explosive. Mm -hmm, Um, and so, and that's the only reason I would even do the kind of begin to rethink the discourse that Jesus is having in regards to the narrow way and the wide way is if I'm harmonizing, um, the discourse he has with mm-hmm. Abraham, and if I, if I, we're using every tribe, every tongue, every language type, mm-hmm. um, we're thinking through that. It, it it just seems larger than what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but presently in this world, uh, are are we a minority? Um, yeah, yes, right. it, it's 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 a minority when you combine it. But I I, I do think as the Gospel takes root in people's heart that certainly changes and puts pressure on the culture right. and um I mean and so you see the revivals in
2: the during the Reformation that were revolutionary right. you
1: um and you look
2: to uh, the population as a whole, if you were to look at the trends over the last five thousand years of recorded history exponentially has grown like we're at a bigger point now percentage wise than we were. At that point, yeah. right? We've grown. There's more people on Earth. Every generation, you know, we've we we grow. Right. So, po- possibly yes. That's I mean, or yeah. If you look at the way we've grown, if Christianity does explode, the just the, by the volume of people that have been born now, than as opposed to
0: thousands of years ago, there's more people who could yeah. Right. There's more people yeah. that will hear the gospel yeah. than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, so yeah. one one thought that I'm probably sure that someone is having listening to this is okay. So, broad, narrow, what if, grand scheme of things, it's actually true, though? Like, so, not thinking presently, right now, there's not a lot of people who, like, con- considerably of the 7 billion people on the earth, there's not a lot that are, like, comparatively well, Christian. They would, yeah, be the, in the majority. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, maybe they're thinking, like, well, at the end of the age, on, on the flip side, what if it, in reality, is just, there's there was a certain... Amount of people still large, but in comparison to the people who didn't come to see Jesus Christ as their Savior and their need to be saved, it was actually comparatively broad and narrow. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. so what do you, what would you say to that? Because I'm pretty sure someone might be thinking that as they're hearing. Well, something. I mean, I
1: wouldn't, I I mean, I don't think the scripture gives us insight into how many people. I mean, it's right. not how Get the exact number people. of people yeah. Yeah. and the date and time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's, um, the, uh, <laughs> No, I mean I don't know how many obviously, but I, I it's more than I think we think default. Okay. But uh as uh someone who holds to reformed theology, the the number is set like the Right. The number is set. The Lord knows how many he's going to save mm-hmm. and he's going to do that through his church and nobody can snatch his people out of right. there, there's there's nothing that can jeopardize that and so um, and so the church, nobody wants to—I was telling our small group this—nobody wants to be on the losing team. And I think too often we think of ourselves on the losing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would like to see that change. Right. And
3: Well, and so when you even speak of, you know, how does this speak to our eschatology? Are yeah. you getting to the point, too, that, you know, I grew up in a church that was pre-trib, pre-millennial, mm-hmm. you know, the rapture yeah. and all this. Everything's going to get so, so bad, yeah. the signs of the time. And so right. it's just a very pessimistic view of the Lord's coming yeah. that— we kind of get this persecuted state before we even get to the tribulation. Whereas if you have more of a millennial, post-millennial view, it's more positive. You know, things are... And so I think in that sense, it does play into our eschatology. Are we looking for things to get bad? Are we looking for things to get good? What are we... When we say "Your kingdom come," are we working against ourselves if we're a pre-tribulationist? Yeah, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, for sure. And so, how does that all fit together? Right.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I so in for me, as a post-millennialist, the um, I so I, I grew up kind of with a uh, I grew up in a dispensational background. It was you know, secret rapture, seven mm-hmm. years tribulation, and then the millennium, and. Um, and And what I saw was people, the worst things got. And Mm -hmm. from our American perspective, it's, I think the rest of the world would laugh at what we believe (laughs) is, uh, what we're equating to things getting bad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, uh, when things get bad, we uh, withdraw and say it's only a a little bit longer Mm -hmm. before I'm out of here because my perspective is... Before it gets too bad, God's taking me out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just not what we see throughout the Scripture. That's not what we see throughout church history. And that's certainly not what our brothers and sisters who are being beheaded for the faith right. are experiencing right. currently. They would probably well, say, if <laughs> we're in the tribulation yeah. now, <laughs> right, if, if exactly. they believed in that, you right. know, they would probably think <laughs> that we're in that now. And so um, what I hope, speaking in the world of eschatology, is... Uh, and I'll, I'll just give one example. Right, we see a lot of conversation on the main stage about um, uh, it, it's beginning to cost Christians something to be a Christian here in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, cost yeah. us our businesses, cost us reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we uh, we're a laughing stock. We're primitive in our thinking. All of these mm-hmm. that we're right. mocked, that kind of stuff. It, and that's just a little taste of mm-hmm. uh, again, we're a laughing stock to people who are getting their heads cut off. But, uh, uh, and we see these churches, quote-unquote churches, that are flipping, right? And so you see Mm -hmm. uh, people that are uh, supposed Christian authors who all of a sudden are coming out and they're liberal in their theology. You see uh, so-called churches that are now liberal in their theology. uh, And we see that, oh, no, what's happening? This is bad. I see that as, thank God, now we are getting some clarity on the cults versus Mm -hmm. the true church. So now the truth. So God's positioning people uh, God's positioning his church that stands on the authority of his word to have a clearer voice and to be more visible than we ever have been ever in the history of America right. because it's costing Christians something to be a Christian. And that's
2: when his church explodes, too. Yeah, that's I when mean, the church where I don't want to have my head chopped off, but I'm excited that maybe we are face, going to face... Moving towards a post-Christian worldview yeah, of our culture right. is a good thing because the church will get serious about the gospel, the true church, and we'll see an explosion of that. I mean, the fact that Christianity even came into America was a result of Christians being persecuted and leaving that persecution. You look in um, places like China where the church is illegal, and there's this huge underground uh, movement Movement. of believers that are Mm -hmm. there. And we as humans, I think, have the tendency to look at uh, what's around us in this very narrow field of vision and think things are horrible and we forget the world around us, right. and we forget history, right? A right? hundred or 80 years ago, millions of people died in World War II fighting against each other. Right. Six million Jews and other persecuted people groups were slaughtered in concentration camps. I would find it hard to say things are worse now right. than they were comparatively, in the, in the yeah. 1930s and 40s, comparatively. Yeah. You go back to, in America, in the Civil War... Six hundred thousand soldiers dying to, you know, a nation fighting against itself over this horrible institution of slavery. Yep, that wasn't a good time. You know, there's always periods of this is the worst. Where evil is happening, there's always going to be evil and sin in this world, and the result of that is going to be suffering and tragedy. Right. Even natural things happening like hurricanes and
0: and floods are a result of sin being in this world and we live us living in a fallen world. So what I would say to that, too, which is really interesting, because I like your point about yeah, if, we're, if we, it's now harder to be a Christian, that's good, because then we get the true believers. <clears throat> and what's interesting, too, is uh, there's often a phrase that says it's easier to die for Christ than to live for him, because you see a true believer who lives for Christ in the mundane and the day-to-day kind of thing. And so what's interesting about if we start, it starts to be harder and more difficult to be a Christian, it's not necessarily that you're now going to die for Christ, but now it shows, are you going to live for him even when it's, you know, now it's difficult, but also, like, it's, it's, it's do or die now. Like, you either are really a reliever or you're just going to join the people who are not living really for Christ day to day. Like, you're going to be one of those people which is really not a true follower of Christ. And so there's, I think, a little bit of heat, like you guys are saying, is good and it will kind of thin out, like you said, the cults and the true churches.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, and so what I also want to do, but just because for time's sake, um, could you quickly and briefly, because there's probably people listening to the podcast who, when you said eschatology. You guys pre- enjoyed it to briefly some pre-trib <laughs> post, you know, post, like I'm pretty sure someone was literally going, I have no, I, what are you saying? Can you real quick, just unless you I have ex- a, Quickly a resource, explain the wrong viewpoints and then give <laughs> the correct go. viewpoint. Can
1: I do that? And then can I, can we close out by me reading a passage of scripture? To set because I the think the word of the dictate, Lord doesn't, impl- yes, yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, <laughs> so I mean, there's three three main positions there's premillennialism, amillennialism, and postmillennialism. Eschatology is, and that's eschatology is your perspective on the end times. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of people, churches don't talk about it, don't deal with it, but I think your perspective on eschatology shapes the way you read the rest of the Bible, and so right. I think it does have a big mm-hmm. uh, portion. So I won't define premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism, I'll let you check out those for yourself. Ooh,
0: nicely uh, done.
1: Uh, uh, I am a post-millennial, so I'm optimistic in my eschatology. You guys are welcome to, if you have a position or if you're in process or whatever, The, but the... Don't worry, I'm in process. People who are the, listening who have no idea where they I'm are, in process I'm in process. We all in grew in sense up in dispensational backgrounds. I grew up in dispensational. That's behind. All, yeah, and and I, you know, it's a... um uh, we 're all brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in christ, and so that 's mm-hmm. the uh you may have a point of disagreement but we 're all brothers and sisters right, in christ yeah, and so that 's yeah. okay and um uh, but uh, <clears throat> uh but my biggest piece is is that i 'm optimist optimistic in my eschatology is is probably what i 'm most passionate about in this because I believe the Great Commission is going to be successful. That We're on the winning team. I believe the Lord's Prayer is significant in eschatology. When Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I believe he's teaching us to pray that because it is actually going to happen. And that it's not some unattainable thing. I believe it's going to happen.
3: And I think that that optimistic point of view... To empowers us to go out and share our faith more yeah. right. because you know if if you know you're on the winning team, mm-hmm. you're more apt to go out and build up the team yeah. right. absolutely. If yeah. you feel like you're on the losing team, then you you're embarrassed right. you know absolutely. and so I think having an optimistic point of view just helps yeah. us to to move yep. forward.
1: And that's why Pastor Sean talked about um, authority. He spent time mm-hmm. on the authority of Jesus in yeah. the Great Commission. The reason yep. why he spent uh, time on the authority of the Great Commission is because we're living as Christians as if Jesus doesn't have authority. Right. You know, I mean, it says right. that yep. after Jesus was resurrected, he ascended to the right hand of God and he's seated at the right hand of God. And it says that he's not going to stand up again. Like he's physically seated at the right hand of God. It's finished. Ruling, reigning, it's finished. Yep. He's not standing up again, according to Psalm 110.1 uh, in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is not getting up until all his enemies are made his footstool. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. How are God's enemies, how, or how mm-hmm. are Jesus' enemies made his footstool? They're made his footstool not through war, but through the proclamation of the gospel mm-hmm. of right. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus is not getting back up until the Great Commission is successful. That's when Jesus returns, right. not hell in a handbasket, then Jesus returns. It's everybody that. Uh, that I call my child has found home. Mm-hmm. Right. Now I'm coming. Now I'm coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Speaking
0: uh, to the optimism of like, Christ, like our faith is an optimistic faith. Like mm-hmm. our you know, faith isn't this doom and how do gloom. You, <laughs> how do you
1: persevere if <laughs> it's, right. not right. it's, it's not optimistic? And not hope. Like, not, yeah. not, not, not it's a, not a blind hope. It's not yeah. a blind right. hope or blind yeah. optimism. It's rooted in the word. Right.
0: And, and it's not, oh, it's exclusive. Man, like this is, gosh, I can't believe. You know, it's more just like, wow, I can't believe that a God would come down and yes. die for my yeah. like that's a you know the fact that we would be even thought of in in the fact of being a tool for His glory and you know for Him to showcase that on the cross that's optimistic yeah. that's life giving joy giving not oh wow yeah that was intense you know <laughs> yeah. So Sorry, if we had to sum to up, that. yeah,
1: because I know we got the book recommendation. I'll be quick. But it, the if we had to kind of sum up, thinking about the kingdom of heaven, uh, I love the parable of the mustard seed in the leaven. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in their branches. And so this out of eternity, what we're seeing is this mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds, and God in redemptive history here and now um, through the finished work of Christ and the commissioning of his church, that mustard seed day by day is growing. And and uh, most of the time we're not aware of it, but we're plotting day by day. And that mustard seed God promises one day will be tree-like. It'll be this huge place where birds come and and find shelter in it. Mm-hmm. And that excites me. And Amen. so that motivates me that what I'm a part of matters yep. and is mm-hmm. real. So. Sweet.
0: Well, we'll be right back with the book resource. We are back now uh, with the book resource Recommendation: A lot of R's there, uh, Joey. What do you got for us today? Yeah,
1: so the uh, the book that I'd recommend is a um, a mm, compelling, nice. Yeah, small book um, called can Read it in a Day. I can read it in a day. <laughs> read in an afternoon. It's called Heaven Misplaced. It's by a pastor named Doug Wilson, um, who has been influential in my thinking in regards to the Kingdom of Heaven. And uh, it is, it, if you're looking for a book that defines premillennialism, all millennialism, postmillennialism succinctly, hmm. that's the book to get. You could even just flip to the end. It gives you the actual definitions, but then read it all the way, and you get a good understanding of God's kingdom here on earth and how that's going to happen and what that looks like. And it is very informative, and it's in layman's terms. Like, it's super accessible. Right. Um, it's not snooty or academic.
2: So See. it's a great book. He's a great writer. He awesome. A good he is
0: a really good writer. All right. Well, also, uh, if you guys ever have any more questions to, to send into to us, send them at getinfo at gocoastal.org. Sermon, no, Sermon, Sermon questions at gocoastal.org. <laughs> I am literally terrible at everything I do, <laughs> and this is one of these things. Sermon questions at gocoastal.org. Yes.
1: That's it. Yes.
0: Send them. All right, guys. Have a great one.